0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Renegade Animation on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your host for this evening. Joining me as always is my co-captain Cameron. Howdy, howdy. And I hope you guys had a wonderful Mother's Day on this uh on this beautiful whenever you get to listen. <laughs> um today today's show is gonna be fun. It's a little it's a little bit light on content, but we've still got the news and we've got some reviews for new batch of Looney Tunes cartoons, the Netflix anime series Yasuke, and we've got Justice Society World War II, and the first entry in our Ghibli journey, My Neighbors the Yamadas. But first, let's talk about some of these news topics. Well, let's start with some
1: trailers first, because we forgot to mention this one last episode. Disney has shown the fully animated opening for their new cartoon coming out in October, The Ghost in Molly McGee. Most of y'all would know by now from the the preview from the Comic-Con. Which, I forgot which one. I think it was New York. I think it was New York also. And they had an animatic of the opening, but now they have a fully completed opening. And yeah, <laughs> d- despite our harsh words to Disney and how they handled the whole amphibia thing, the Ghost and Molly McGee looks great.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think October is actually the perfect time to release this because, you know, you think of October, you think of Halloween, the macabre, and this is sort of a very lighter toned um ghost story, but you know, it still it still has uh the trap the usual trappings.
1: Yeah, and uh the animation looks vibrant and I'm just honestly super excited to see Dana Snyder in a lead role. That's not on an adult swim or like a side character. Like it, it, like I I really like his uh, comedy timings and everyone I know on Twitter is going to, and YouTube are going to make clips of this show and they're going to dub over the ghosts dialogue with master shake.
0: (laughs) Oh God. I'm, I'm I'm actually really looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, no, I, Ashley Birch I th- um I think that's yep, her name. Ashley Birch um, um is going to play uh, Molly McGee and someone might have to correct me but I feel like she and Bo Burnham are the only two people that I can think of and maybe Dylan O'Brien actually who, there's
0: there's one more Brian Brian Hull who is replacing Adam Sandler in Hotel Transylvania 4 oh yeah yeah right right I feel like they're like the only ones who have been
1: able to escape the YouTube grasp. It's not super uh, unheard of. YouTube is a very difficult place to make a living, and it's changed from what was well worked back then is no longer possible now. And it's great to see that these individuals have found ways to escape it because you know there's there's always been like attempts to like take a popular YouTube thing and put it on TV and, you and said they'd
0: fail miserably.
1: They all fail miserably. I remember a few food YouTubers tried to get on Food Network, and that failed. And I know Epic Mealtime tried, and that didn't work out um, from what I remember. I just remember seeing advertising for it, and then it just vanished the next day. (laughs) But yeah, no, uh, The Ghost of Molly McGee still looks great. I wish we didn't have to wait so long, but, you know, I get it. Halloween and the Supernatural and Ghosts um but we also have a trailer for the new paramount plus rugrats reboot and like a full reboot and of course the f- show is coming out at the end of the month uh, yeah at the end of the month uh, may 27th that's free record this and i mean uh,
0: what do you think i mean it looks it looks fine um we we've talked before about how like to like if we're being completely honest, none of the Nickelodeon shows with CGI animation really hold up. Like even, even some of the best Jimmy Neutron episodes still look very dated. So the fact that this kind that this looks like it's funny. I, I said it looked not bad on Twitter and I still got, I still got dirty looks from, from people who are like, (laughs) what the hell are you talking about? This, this looks like this awful. Yeah. I'm like, come on no
1: this looks way better than like most of nick's attempts at cgi and this looks way better than uh, cam coral and that's not even judging cam coral on its writing or storytelling i'm just saying on a visual look now i don't think this looks as good as that vertical slice that they showed but i think if you're going to translate these characters to cgi this is as good as they were going to look unless they were given like more time. But, uh, but I think they look better than like the translations from like the boss baby going to, from film to Netflix. And I really did not like how the Netflix show looked. Oh, I mean, I'm not usually one to be like, Oh, I don't care about the visuals. I care about the writing and the story and the characters and what have you. But man, did the visuals just take me out of it.
0: <laughs> mm. But um, I, I, I didn't even bother with the boss baby show partly because it looked like such a downgrade. I mean, that's a problem.
1: Well, a lot of people were wondering like why didn't they just make this a 2D show because it was obvious that the original film took its inspiration and references from 2D cartoons with how s- squash and stretch and bouncy they were in like expressions and what have you. But um yeah, no, I think this the this new Rugrats looks um looks good and I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean I, I liked hearing uh, Cree Summers again and I liked hearing uh Kath Sose and EG Daily and I think Nancy Cartwright is voicing Chucky. Yeah she
0: year. she's been she's been voicing Chucky since um I want to I want to say like early 2000s. Yeah that sound, that makes sense. I, I
1: I'm I'm a little more curious to hear how the the adults sound because we didn't get a whole lot of them and I want to hear Tony Hale as Chucky's dad.
0: Same I, not, I I th- I think if you're gonna get a celebrity to to replace the adults, I think Tony Hale is perfect for uh for Chaz. Yeah, and um, I want to hear
1: what Grandpa Lou sounds like because I know uh, Michael McKeon, who you you would know from like Better Call Saul and such, um, or Food Fact or Fiction on Cooking Channel sounds like because like I said, Grandpa Lou sounded really distinct. Though so I just realized something chucky's sister is not here or like you know uh yeah where where does Ki- where does kimmy in this i'm wondering if it's, this is just like a flat re- like hard reboot because uh it looks like chucky's still just like a sink an only child and there's no uh how what, what's tommy's brother name dill uh dill uh i still get, get kind of amused by that by that pine name <laughs> And and of course, like who who the, uh, I forgot the actress for uh, Angelica, but she <laughs> she sounds great. But yeah, no, it looks fine. We'll we'll have to see what happens when we uh, finally watch it. But that's all I have to say. So, um, Made in Abyss, the smash hit anime um, that is now on Sentai Filmworks it, uh, dis- distribution label and you know High Dive, is getting a second season. And it will be coming out next year, or yeah, uh, uh, 2022, called Made in Abyss, Retsujitsu no Ogonkyo, or Made in Abyss, The Sun Blazes Upon the Golden City. Probably could have said that first. (laughs) Um, And that also includes an announcement of a 3D action RPG called Made in Abyss, Binary Star Falling into Darkness um which will be coming out for playstation 4 switch and pc next year too
0: um have you seen made in abyss i can't remember um do you do you remember which um which anime preview we talked about this i don't
1: think we talked about this in an anime preview at all like i think oh this might this might
0: have been this might have been like before before fall 2020 yeah this was way before
1: fall 2020 and uh this was like 2018 maybe a little bit earlier
0: i forgot oh well in that case then i have never seen it so oh yeah here we go 2017
1: and then was released on blu-ray in 2018 we might have to do like either like a fresh takes thing with uh brock or uh tackle that tackle this first season and the legit movie that's connected to the show not the recap films um and i mean granted i know we're already going to do one for the demon slayer franchise uh but I, I think you would get a kick out of this show it's it's really like despite a few uh elements which we'll get to when we get to um but it it it's a really cool anime so the, I can't the, wait the for premise
0: it. does sound fascinating so i am i am curious to check it out
1: yeah yeah and uh speaking of anime Uh, we're getting a new Dragon Ball Super film coming out next year with uh, Kiria Toriyama in charge of the screenplay and character design. And so um, this is what Toriyama had to say to the fans. An all new movie since Dragon Ball Super Brawly is currently in the making. Just like the previous movie, I'm heavily leading the story and dialogue production for another amazing film. I really shouldn't talk too much about the plot yet, but be prepared for some extreme and entertaining bouts, which may feature an unexpected character. We'll be charting through some unexplored territory in terms of the visual aesthetics to give the audience an amazing ride. So I hope everyone will look forward to the new movie.
0: Oh, hell yes. I am super excited for a new Dragon Ball movie. I
1: remember seeing Dragon
0: Ball Super back in 2018 or so
1: um or maybe 2019 probably no, 2019 2019 that's that's more accurate because i was going to be alamo <laughs> still um and man was it great to see the fights on the big screen and i didn't even see super and i was just like i was enjoying myself until it came out about a huge decade's worth of harassment and terrible working conditions came out for one of the voice actors for the main character of that movie, so that really soured the, the enjoyment of the movie. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to get sworn by those idiots uh, who keep defending this one actor. So, <laughs> but I'm I'm down for a new Dragon Ball movie if it's as good as the last one. I'm down. Oh yeah. Okay, so we're gonna talk a little bit about the passing of a of an act actress from the animation community Um, though people would probably know more of this actress from hr puff and stuff um her name is billy hayes and she passed away recently at the age of 96 now you may know her from from this but she's also been in like the black cauldron and she was um mother may i in the teen titans uh cartoon from the 2000s and she she was also in like Shows like Powerpuff Girls, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, The Batman, and Witch. And uh, she was also a uh, one of the witches in Shrek Forever After. Wow. Her, her,
0: res- her resume is uh, pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, it is. And um, her last role was in the Transformers Rescue Bots um, series, which I haven't seen, but I'm sure she's a delight on that show. And... And man, <laughs> I wish we could go a week without having to talk about someone passing because it's like I was at first I was like I've never heard of Billy Hayes and then I looked up her filmography and it's like oh man I've seen her everywhere.
0: Yeah. Um, that, it 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 always sucks like to hear to hear news like that. Yeah. And
1: um, but may she rest in peace. She has a great legacy with her. Um. So Tig Notaro who. We have seen in shows like *The Fungies*, and she's she's going to be in um, *The Upcoming Army of the Dead* by Zack Snyder. Is going to be going to HBO for a comedy special, um, and it's going to be animated. And uh, I mean, granted, Ellen DeGeneres is executive producer on this, and you know the whole thing with her uh, and her and how working on Ellen's talk show is not great. But I think this is interesting—an animated comedy special.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a first
1: for sure. Yeah, no, um, I'm wondering if they're tr- this was either like thought of before or after like the, the pandemic or something, because I mean I, I could see that being a, an interesting workaround. It it'd be kind of like doing a uh a gorilla's concert because it's all animated and whatnot, so. <laughs>
0: You know, you know what this kind of reminds me of. Grant, granted, I haven't watched the series yet, but this reminds me a lot of um, the Midnight Gospel on Netflix, which is basically an animated series that's like adapt, adapting a podcast. So I'm I'm kind of imagining like the visuals will be something something similar to that, where you know each each joke or or uh, or bit kind of like becomes this like fully animated sequence. So I can I can kind of see the uh, the possibilities of this working.
1: Yeah, no, um, we'll have to see. And I've enjoyed, like, anytime I've seen Tig on, like, either voice acting or um, acting, um, you know, just, I, I've enjoyed her energy and her spirit. So we'll just have to see. So that um, Amazing Maurice film that we talked a little bit ago that is going to have uh, Hugh Laurie, has the anti-hero cat Maurice and it you know this is also based off of the uh the writings of the guy who did Discworld um this um film has an update update with some new cast members joining along with David Tennant, Arion uh Bacare, Rob and Rob um Bre- Breeden, or Brighton um and Julie Atherton and Joe Sugg. So um I kind of want to see this movie now. Can we, uh, you know, bring it out a little, <laughs> like, faster? <laughs> um,
0: does it have an official release date yet, or, or is it still just in development?
1: Um, I think so far it's just in development. It seems it sounds like there's nothing, like, no concrete date as of yet.
0: Okay, but well, I, I want to see it, like, sooner rather than later because, damn, that cast.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was already on board when they announced Hugh Laurie. On, uh, um, as the main character and you look at the picture and it's like oh yeah no I see it <laughs> yep so before we move to talk about Annecy a little let's talk about the BS makers of the day or of this episode let's talk about Floyd County Productions and the fact that they will not get ha- let their animators be unionized <laughs> so Floyd Country Productions y'all would know uh their work from like archer and they're making the upcoming america the motion picture and yeah they're not the worker the animators there aren't in the best working conditions and pay and pay and all that stuff so and they've tried many times to be like hey please for the love of gravy let us get unionized so we can have better pay and whatnot and they're just like no (laughs) And it's like, come on, <laughs> oh, this is not the fun stuff to talk about with animation, but we have to talk about it since animators are constantly thrown under the bus by crummy heads of studios not treating them well.
0: And it only makes it worse when people on the internet who don't know how the sausage is made insist that they know more. <laughs> they know- more, yeah, more than they actually know about animation
1: yeah and i'm just saying i'm fortunate i like where i work and i i work in a great working environment so everyone should be able to afford that and every studio should be able to offer that and provide it because because and like i said animation's one heck of a job to go through and it's not always great and you you hope that they change their minds soon, but it it will make watching any future Archer or America the Motion Picture kind of hard to do without talk. Like, like I I want to say like yeah, like yeah, go watch it or whatever. But it's also going to be like watch it, but also Floyd Productions, you need to treat your animators well.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's um qual- quality of life is pretty much priority number one. For for me personally, it's it's quality of life, then quality of entertainment, and then everything else. And
1: we and it's like I have to deal with this when I followed the game industry news. I mean, it's all over the place. It's always happening, and it's not even a secret anymore that the game industry and at major studios, it's the working conditions and environments aren't great. Ubisoft has decades of sexual harassment and toxic work environment issues happening and they're just trying to sweep it under the rug they're like oh nothing's happening or like there was the uh riot studios um investigation and they hired their inside su- in in studio <laughs> like investigators and they're like oh no nothing has been found it's like yeah i wonder why that is you hired someone that you knew they didn't get an outside team to investigate so it's like the, the entertainment industry as a whole needs to be unionized. Unionize the heck out of it. <laughs> That's all we have to say. So Floyd County, unionize. Or else it's going to be really hard to watch your future stuff. Mm-hmm. So let's, hopefully as that happens, let's talk about the Annecy update for the Annecy Film Festival, the E3 of an- animation from around the world. We're not going to be able to do a full-on, like preview guide like we did last time just because a lot of these details are slowly and painfully just coming out at us the pace of molasses so we're going to just talk about the one of the big announcements they announced the work in progress section which includes the the siren which will be a 2d 3d animated feature by sapide farsi uh, Mars Express by Jer- Jeremy Perrine, which will be also 2D and 3D. Unicorn Wars by Alberto vasquez Rico, who uh, made Bird Boy and the Forgotten Children. Um, I've been looking forward to this one for a while, but we'll get to that. Um, Little Nicholas by Amandine Frieden and Benjamin Masubre, um, which is 2D. Um, Princess Dragon by Anthony Ruge and Jean-Jacques Denise, which will be 2 d 2D- 3D, Naola by Jose Miguel Ri- Ri- Ribe- Ribeiro, and Perlemps by Ale Abre, Ar- uh, which will be drawn drawn on paper in 2D 3D. The Peasants by Dorota cobiella which will be rotoscoped and painted on canvas. This is the uh film that the Loving Vincent team is making. Ooh, um nice. Blind Willow, Sleeping Woman by Pierre folds or Foldes. Um, which will be rotoscoped in 2D and 3D animation. And then like the work in progress, th- those are the features. And then the work in progress shorts include Robin Robin by Dan Ojari and Mikey Please, which will be stop motion. And you know, it's the Ardman special being made for Netflix. Fena Pirate Princess by Kazuto Nakazawa, which is the original anime that's being made for Crunchyroll and Adult Swim by Production IG. Uh Maya and the 3 by Jorge Gutierrez, the, yes. three D's, the 3D series for Netflix. The House by Emma de Swife and Mark James Royal and Nikki Lindroth, Von and Paloma Baeza, which will be with puppets and animation objects. And Samurai Rabbit, the Osegi Chronicles, by Hang Lee Lei, which will be 2D and 3D for Netflix. And then the VR stuff will be Immersion, Augment, Augmented Nature by Ane, Lise, Kohler, and Eric Sere, which will be 3D augmented reality and real-time storytelling. And Ascenders by Jonathan Astruck, which will be 3D and virtual reality. Some of these projects sound so cool, and I can't wait to see some of these because I've been waiting for... Maybe a good few years now to hear about some of these projects. Like, that's how deep I am into like learning about uh French animation and just over like f- overseas animation? Because what? I've I've been work I've been looking forward to Unicorn Wars, which is a dark comedy from Spain and France, or it's a collaboration between Spain and France, and Mars Express got a lot of hype when the original teaser came out. Uh, Princess Dragon, the directors, made a really interesting film uh, Film that's based off of, oh, I forgot, it's a very popular franchise. It's, I think it's called like Snap foo or something. And Perlimps is made by the same director who made uh, uh, The Boy in the World, which was Oscar nominated back in 2015 alongside When Marnie was there, Inside Out, uh, Anomalisa and Shaun the Sheep movie. So I'm um, I
0: forgot how great that year was. 2015 was a great
1: year for animation, even if it wasn't as big as other years. And then of course I'm the one major fan who loved all of Loving Vincent. <laughs> not to say that none of y'all did didn't, or it's like y'all just don't get it. No, I get it. Why some people might not like this movie, uh, Loving Vincent. I mean. But man, I remember watching the teaser for the peasants and the stuff they're doing with the hand painted canvas stuff and this I'm sure use of CGI and rotoscoping. it looks great. I mean, uh, like it, do any of these sound promising to you? like
0: um, some, something I, I just realized and I don't know, I can't remember if we brought it up like when we first discussed it, but Atomic Monster is one of the producers for um, Samurai Rabbit, the Usagi Chronicles. Um, for those who don't know, Atomic Monster is James Wan's production company, and I can't I can't think of another animated project that he's been involved in. Um, so this is kind of cool. Um, I'm also seeing Netflix's name a lot, um, mostly in the sh- in the shorts because these are these are a lot of their uh, um, TV properties. Yeah. So it's it's just kind of cool to see you know a, a first look at ardman's newest uh, series and then um, Fe- um Fena uh, Pirate Princess I think is the first time that Crunchyroll and Adult Swim have like collaborated. Yeah, they're working on a few different
1: ones. They're working on like I think a Blade Runner uh show and a uh, Shinmu show oh, as that's, well. that's right. Yeah, so th- this was like one of their big things before HBO Max and well not HBO Max, uh AT&T was like, "Let's sell Crunchyroll and now we're kind of in a stalemate of knowing what exactly the fate of Crunchyroll is. <laughs> so I'm sure these things will keep going and get made because you know Adult Swim's going to be like, "WTF, bro? I I want my show." <laughs> Unlike that uh show that Crunchyroll has buried, even though it's finished. I forgot what it's called, but
0: oh um, I I I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but I know exactly which one you're talking about
1: yeah no it's it's obnoxious it's like release that darn show but yeah sure x arm is worth showing off but this show that's sitting in limbo is not try to make sense of that <laughs> i think the one i'm looking forward to the most is to looking at is well besides my end three because jorge is one of my in- idols in animation is a uh, blind willow sleeping woman I just love the animation and just the surrealness of it all and I'm curious to see how it unfolds and I, I or at least I want to see what's up because I feel like this has a this has probably like cult classic animated fi- film all over like written all over it. Yeah I, I I feel I felt that a lot watching watching that trailer. And I love seeing this because this is what I want to see with animation. This is I want to see this dark surrealness and like I don't know. You, you can't tell me you don't want to see a creepy giant toad tell a guy saying like, "Hey, I'm gonna save you from
0: destruction," and the guy just be like, "Okay, can I smoke?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's my that's my thing with an, with animation. Like if um if if you're going to devote your career to a storytelling medium with no limits then throw caution to the wind man like do do the um like the weird abstract uh like stories like that do um do do things with like a very sci-fi bent like um you know something like Mars Express which um you know for for such a short teaser it, it it's certainly got my attention
1: yeah that one looks great great i mean a lot of these looked great um i i will say i wasn't super impressed with um the uh unicorn wars one i mean i like the whole like teddy bears going to war <laughs> against the unicorns uh i want to see a little more what the humor is going to be like because the humor and the previews have not always caught my attention but um but this is one of those uh, sections of Annecy that I always get excited about seeing because it's like, okay, what what's getting worked on and such? And um, so, I, I, I don't know. I, I'll, a lot of these sound great. Um, um t- Tell the audience again the dates for Annecy. Um, Annecy is happening in June. Um, And they're celebrating like the 60th anniversary of it. Though I think that was what the idea was last uh, last year, before you know the pandemic ruined everything, right? Um, and let's see, here we go. Uh, June 14th through the 19th, there hasn't been an official. I mean, as we record this, because depending on when this comes up, uh, we could see like the features get announced soon. But, uh, but yeah, that's where it's all going to be. And like some of the other things that are that will be included with this version of Annecy that's coming up is that like if you for some reason want to see japan Stinks 2020 they're going to play that on uh, like there and uh disenchantment apparently they're going to play the animaniacs suspended animation episode Ooh, for some reason i i'm curious about that i wonder if it was like meant to show up at Annecy last year but you know covid happened <laughs> could be oh they're gonna have some moomin valley Stuff to show off. Oh, I loved the Moomin Valley stuff I saw at the uh, Chil- New York Children's International Film Festival, and then they got like Mush Mush, and oh, they're gonna have like this Snoopy show and uh, Stillwater from Apple Plus. Um, so it, it, it looks like it's gonna be good for now. Well, I we'll have to see.
0: Yeah, we'll 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 keep you guys updated as as we hear more information. <laughs> right, right. But for now let's move on to our first title
1: of the episode Yasuke. Oh
0: so we're gonna so we're gonna start here then.
1: Well, we could or we could talk about the two shorts from uh, that Disney released recently with uh, 22 vs Earth and and oh what was it?
0: the uh, oh the, um, uh, the force awakens fr- from its nap. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could give you a quick summary.
1: like I think they were cute they were very short um I've enjoyed these more recent shorts that they've made with the Simpsons just because it's like no dialogue it's all visual g- gags and such um I do think it's funny that when you get put in time out you get frozen in carbonite <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah g- gags like gags like that were kind of fun.
1: yeah and um, but it, it like like I said, it's short. There's not a whole lot to talk about, and some of the some of the stuff was cute, and uh, I I do like the de- the jab at the uh, Star Wars franchise, saying like no one really dies or none of the popular characters die, <laughs> 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 because you know popular characters drive the franchise.
0: Exactly. Do you have any thoughts about it? Re- re- really, just just brief thoughts. In okay. in in general, I think what I like about the Simpsons shorts is. Uh, because because maggie is front and center it's an excuse to experiment with uh with like the silent filmmaking of you know classic shorts from like the 30s so they get they get to be a little bit more experimental in that regard right right like i said there's just not
1: much to this one and i will say like i think i like 22 versus earth more in terms of the shorts i will say i wish they just did another one with focusing on the humans not because I didn't find it amusing, but it was just like, it was always just kind of limiting and they always kind of build these prequel shorts as like, find out what 22 did before the events of Soul. And it's like, we know what she did or what they did. (laughs) So 22 did nothing and basically pissed off the entire uh, mentor system.
0: (laughs) I I, I will say though, it is is very cute that, her secret club is called the apocalypse.
1: Yeah. Oh, that, that was, that uh, there, there are a lot of great little gags like that. And I love like when one of the little souls that she stole end up finding her, their passion as a liar. But, I love lying. <laughs> and one of the, uh the beings was just like, if this leads to another politician. <laughs> <laughs> and then I love uh how they ended with the whole, like, it's like they they will go to Earth and find out the meaning, you know, meaning of life. And it's like, huh, what is the meaning of life? What you don't know? Well, simply put, it. And then the credits happen. And then after the credits are over, they're like, huh, sounds very mundane when you put it that way. All right, <laughs> sorry, I love gags like that because it like one of my favorite Venture Brothers gags is when uh 21 is talking to 22 when he's dead, and uh, he's like, huh, okay. What's the meaning of life? And twenty-two is like the color twelve. It's like, really? No, stop don't ask me something like ask me something less hitchhikers guide. <laughs> <laughs> like I love gags like that. Um, but other than that, there's just not a whole lot to it.
0: Yeah, um honestly like really really the point the point of these two shorts is it, it's it's just more time to spend with like I, I'm I'm hesitant to call twenty two a fan favorite character it's just her world is sort of the easiest to make like quick five minute shorts about.
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And they don't go very far with it. So, I mean, I wasn't expecting like something thought provoking or anything, but I don't know. it, It was just kind of weird to end on her still on 22 being like, it's like, well, fine. I don't like you take that stupid soul, stupid earth. You're just a floating rock. And it's just like, Okay, that really didn't tell us anything that we already didn't know outside. I, I, I mean, I don't want to say that this sounds mean that I'm about to say. It sounds like they wanted they had a few jokes that they couldn't fit into the movie and they just put them into this short.
0: Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Like this like this isn't even the same like the same writers as the film. It's just just pe- people on the Pixar staff like, hey,, uh, we have some ideas. Can we uh, can we run with those? Yeah, no. That I mean, I I think that's overall how I felt about
1: the, these two shorts. They're cute, they're fun, but they're really. I think I preferred the Pixar popcorn shorts more, and I th- and I think I liked the Soul one there more than uh the one we got. So, but that's just how I felt.
0: And and any any opportunity to spend more time in that in that world, I'll I'll take every, every opportunity. Right, right. Same here.
1: But let's talk about Yasuke, the new anime from Netflix. That the original premiere, like stream, that they announced this on, was very flippant and dismissive. Like, oh yeah, we got Lakeith Stanfield, whatever. Um, um. So you know, this is the new anime by LaShawn Thomas, who made Cannon Busters on Netflix, and um, it got a lot of notoriety because of its lead actor being Lakeith Stanfield. Um playing the ma- the iconic role of real-life um, Black Samurai Yasuke. Um, but, of course, since Yasuke's history is mostly unknown, um, they take it into a very fantasy, sci-fi, Champlu, Afro-Samurai kind of way. And the story is basically about Yasuke, who used to serve Nobunaga Oda. And then after Nobunaga and his empire fell, basically, like, became a boatsman, like, ferrying people across the river and such. And then one day, he's asked to help take a girl named Saki, voiced by Maya Tanita, um, to a doctor, per se. And she has mysterious powers that are being targeted by dangerous individuals, like the Daimyo, who's voiced by Amy Hill, and Abraham, who's voiced by Dan Donahue. So, Mike, what did you think about this show, or this special, or mini series? I guess
0: um, I think on the whole, I I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's it's a it's a MAPA series, so of course it's going to have gorgeous animation, and we'll we'll talk a little bit a little bit later about um, some things that the music composer uh, Flying Lotus has been teasing. I personally think the like the music is one of the best aspects of the show. It just it just gives it gives um, it, it, give, it gives the show a little bit more atmosphere, which which is a real a really nice touch. I I think if if there's one major criticism to be had is that, sure, because there isn't much known history about about the real life Yasuke, they kind of fill the gaps with with like a lot of fantasy elements when. I think they might have overstuffed it with such elements. And I would have enjoyed this just as much if it was, if it was like a strictly historical based series, or if it was like, say this took, this took place in like the future or I I don't know, something that's very clearly not supposed to be the real world. Instead, they kind of, they kind of met in the middle. And that and that's why at times it would feel, totally inconsistent i think that's also my
1: biggest problem with this show it has all these sci-fi and fantastical elements and like do not think you're going to be walking into an afro samurai or a samurai champloo with this you're more or less walking into a um, samurai seven situation i don't know if you remember that anime or not but that one had also like a fantasy with the thieves and such using giant mechs and whatnot you know, and most of the samurai were you know humans with just they were just really good at fighting with weapons. <laughs> and it's actually a good series. I I recommend tracking it down. And yeah, I well I wouldn't mind these fantasy and sci-fi elements if the sci-fi elements did not feel so secondhand. Mm. Like they felt like they felt like they were there because. Like I, I, would have been fine with the more fantastical elements. Like I love like the bounty hunters, like Akolja, who's voiced by Will- William C. Stevens, who who uses like ma- like magic, uh, to make like these hologram warriors. Yeah, that um, that was really cool. Yeah, and I liked Nikita, who can turn into the who's this very large woman who can turn into a bear, um, and such. But then you have Haruto, voiced by Darren Criss, who's this giant mech and the sci-fi elements are like barely in this show. So, and don't
0: ask for an explanation because they're not going to give you anything. They're not.
1: And, and I mean I loved Haruto and I was so sad that they killed him off in a fana- in the like second last episode or so. He's like the kind of character I, I would like to write kind of a himbo kind of thing.
0: <laughs> like Yeah, he, he he basically reminds me of um K2SO from from Rogue One or yeah. Or, or Robot from Invincible.
1: Yeah, yeah. And another problem is that Yasuke is technically not the main character through most of its run. It's really Saki who's the main focus. And I am I understand why they call it Yasuke. I, I understand. But I wish it was like the tales of Yasuke or something. Because I want to see him as the lead. I want the story... To completely focus on him.
0: Yeah, they, they they depict Yasuke in in this series as like you know like like the man max or um or the man with no name, would, even though he would, has a name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I get it. Like that's that's sort of playing into the samurai or um like cowboy tropes. But it was, it wasn't at all what I was expecting from, like just just based on like the marketing. No, I liked the, like, they show a lot of his
1: uh, story from the flashback sequences, and I like those. I thought those were the best moments of the show, when it was just focusing on Yasuke, and just the story of an African slave going to Japan. And, And, like, if you're wondering, they do touch upon the racism and just, like, the identity of, like, Yasuke trying to find out where he fits in this world. But it's not a major
0: part, and...
1: No, it's just like I, I liked those flashback elements more.
0: And yeah, the it's the, like... the, the, flat, the flashback elements are like that is basically what I what I expected the whole series to be. But I also kind of get that if if you're going to if you're going to make an anime out of the story as opposed as opposed to um like live action, yeah, I can I can understand like I can understand the appeal to adding more fantastical elements.
1: Yeah, I mean, why not? Samurais fighting demons and monsters and such. <laughs> I'm down for it. It's just that's not really the focus. Like, the first half is focusing on Abraham, this creepy priest, and he doesn't do a whole lot. Or, like, he doesn't play a whole role in, like, the the first part. And then it's, like, really the, daim- the daimyo. And then they bring in, like, Kurosaka, who's voiced by Emily Wu Zeller, who she... She was good, and Gwendolyn Yao as Ichika from the beginning was great. Um, I mean the voice cast overall is pretty great in this show. I mean, like of course you got Lakeith Stanfield, and then you got Takahiro Hira, and then like we said, Maya Tanita, uh, Ming Na Wen, uh, Paul Nakauchi, uh, Darren Chris, Julie Marcus, William C. Stevens, Dia Frampton. Fun fact: Dia Frampton was on the first season of The Voice.
0: Ooh.
1: <laughs> um, which was really like. Not, it wasn't jarring or, like, whiplashing, but it was like, oh, wait a minute, I recognize that name. And she did a pretty good job for her first voiceover role. And, man, a Netflix series? <laughs> That's a good get. Yeah. Um, then you got Amy Hill, who voices the Daimyo. Um, then you got, like, Ian Chen, who plays that kid Ichiro at the beginning. Uh, Ron Maru is voiced by Johnny Young Bosch. Um, and, you know, he's great, as usual. And then Keon Young plays the Warlock uh, the war Chief. That uh, Yasuke fights. Um, and then, like, Michael Cintern Nicholas um, appears a couple times, like in a, in a few background roles and such, like Nobukatsu and then the Iga general. Um, and then, I mean, let's see. What did you think about Laki Stanfield?
0: Um, put, put it, putting aside the controversy that he's found himself under, um, you can Google that later. I th- I thought I thought his performance was um was pretty solid. I I can't I can't recall if if he's done other other um voice acting roles um but here here like here I thought he did pretty good. He had he had a very um like a very subdued um pres- presence um and some like some some of his uh dialogue was you know like some pretty powerful stuff. Um I I I just wish again he like he was a little bit more of the focus.
1: Yeah, um yeah, no, and I thought he did a pretty good job overall. I think uh like when he has to play the past self is a little better and um but that's just me. But luckily for a lot of this show, the action is great. It's mappa, it's got a great style and the cinematography with the action is great. And for most of it it is Yasuke fighting like with his sword or a weapon of some kind in hand to hand combat. He's not like, I'm gonna get inside a giant robot and wreck everything. Which I liked. I'm glad that they kept uh the main character just in melee combat or weapon combat.
0: Yeah, and and each of each of those fights looked looked amazing. And amazingly violent too.
1: Yeah, th- I wouldn't say this is as violent as Afro Samurai, but uh, it's it's pretty violent. I would say it doesn't get super violent until the later half, and this is like six episodes, eight maybe. Um,
0: uh, it's it's just just six episodes. A- about about as much as um as Afro Samurai.
1: Yeah. So like, I I'm just trying to think like how how could I like is it more violent or just as violent or less violent than Afro Samurai It's and... it's been
0: it's been a while since I've seen it but I th- I think I think one thing I like about um how this show handles handles it is um it, it's it's not always it's not always like glorifying the violence if you if you know what I mean like sure some some of those fights are like genuinely awesome especially um once you see um uh, a huge like ayuja um like in in action. um but if it it feels it feels like there's there's more influence on on like like the uh, like the honor like um like like fight fighting fighting with honor even though he's like technically a ronin which ronin
1: were never like as hardcore honor bound as a typical samurai so (laughs) no i it just seems like they crammed a lot into six episodes and not that I didn't like the final fight, but again, Yasuke's not really the main focus. It's Saki. And Saki's gotta learn her powers and such. And I'm I I don't know. I understand they wanted to make it a bit of like a lone wolf and cub like setup, but I don't know. I think this needed a little more focus. And what's interesting is that Flying Lotus um is has recently teased that oh there's going to be more um for yasuke like they're they're planning a big franchise with him and it's like cool kind of felt like you filled a whole franchise worth of story and content into six episodes so i, I don't know how to feel about about this because i i do think the show is good i just don't know if i consider one of my favorites and i think i i think I like Cannon Busters a little more
0: from LaShawn Thomas. I haven't seen Ken Busters, but um but af- after watching Yasuke, I definitely want to go back and and check it
1: out. But but yeah, that but I will say the one thing I will hands down say is the best thing ever is the opening theme.
0: Oh, that opening theme is is so good.
1: Such a lo-fi beat. I could see myself downloading that song and putting it on repeat as I work. Cuz you know, tax season <laughs> gotta have something to listen to while i crunch some numbers um uh-huh. or work um at my job but no um overall i enjoyed yasuke i wouldn't say it's going to be one of my top 10 favorite anime of the season but i think it's pretty good
0: yeah um as as, as far as whether or not i want to see this become a franchise the only the only response i have to that is if if it ends up something like, like um, you know, like a mad, like a Mad Max or other other stories of of that similar ilk. Yeah, sure, I'll be down for more stories like that. I mean, like Yasuke could, is a like by the end of it, he
1: is an interesting character. It's just like it's one of those things where it seems like he he's more interesting when the show ends than when it begins. Um, but no, I I mean that's all. I I'd still give give this one a watch. It's only six episodes and it's high quality. animation uh let's just say this you'll probably get more of a kick watching this show than way of the house husband (laughs) (laughs) which we will probably talk at some point in the future probably yep hopefully maybe i don't know i can't tell (laughs) you
0: uh for now we move on to a brand new batch of looney tunes cartoons
1: uh i mean i have a lot to say about this new batch but i have to say overall i'm i'm still getting a huge kick and enjoyment out of these shorts
0: yeah i i think i think my my general thoughts haven't really changed since the first the first batch just you know people who know me know how much like the looney tunes mean to me it it, like these characters were literally some of some of like uh my first my first ever fandom was you know bugs daffy porky the whole gang but what i specifically love about this Batch is Tasmanian Devil got um got some more uh, exposure. And I think the I think the like the very first short uh Puma problems is like the first time we've seen Pete Puma since the fifties. He he showed up in that twenty
1: tens Looney Tunes show. Oh. And he showed but he, he was never like a main focus character. He was always like a guest or a side character. But it, it's been it's literally been a while since we've yeah. seen him and i have to say that might be i will i have a few favorite cartoons but yeah puma problems is probably one of my favorites and i think that's because pete puma was always like a character i enjoyed but but you know he'd always like show up when it's like okay we did a thing where bugs interact with daffy elmer fudd yosemite sam who's another antagonistic force and and i have to say his voice actor steven stanton really nails how his character sounds
0: yeah i I'm, I'm i'm really impressed with with like the way he replicated the original voice which i can't remember off the top of my head well first of all like stan freeberg freeberg you know? that's that's who it was
1: yeah because like you would think that like, like oh you're just voicing cartoon characters how hard can that be Pete Puma has probably one of the more challenging voices to do because he's he kind of has a kind of sound and then he has like a very distinct thing where he does like when he inhales and laughs he goes like like that and like that's so hard to do and Stephen Sandin did a Fantastic job. And I do love how one of the jokes is like when he jumps into the hole to pretend he's a hole, like, well, like he says in the show, in the short, I'm a hole. <laughs> <laughs> and then bugs before he walks in into his mouth. He's like, oh, great. My big, ba- my baby grand piano is here. And they just shove a bunch of things into him. And then right before, oh, what was it? There was a cactus collection, the barbed wire of the month club, and my. Pet my pet piranha collection comes up he just bails he's like nah screw this <laughs> he just leaves he, he
0: he leaves and, and walks out with like all the all the things still inside him
1: yeah it, it's really funny um and I, and I also like well they do a few new things one T- like you said Taz has two shorts um that he's the main focus in um they also introduce a new like gag which is the Beaky Buzzard gag, um, where Beaky Buzzard thinks he's gra- got something and then, of course, fails. And I and I love the first one. He shows up in Beaky Buzzard Mouse, and he grabs a mouse, and then the mouse's like, "I wasn't trying to run away from you. I was running away from that." And there's this big mountain lion cat behind him, <laughs> and he gets eaten. And then he the like after he gets eaten, the giant mountain lion cat hiccups, and then Beaky Buzzard's like, oh, "Sorry, excuse me." like i I just love beaky buzzard i i love just his 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 comedic like personality but we also got our first um foghorn leghorn short out of the bunch which i wasn't expecting like they're slowly introducing the rest of the looney tunes casts and i've always liked foghorn as well like i i always liked his canter and his tone of voice Like, like well i say i say i say here that the boy's dumber than a sack of hammers or something like that and i like seeing the wheat the weasel and the uh the the farm dog Mm -hmm. again i i like i said i've always liked some of the other characters more than just like the main crew that they have
0: yeah a lot lot of the a lot of like the more minor characters in the uh in the looney tunes pantheon have always have always like they've always had that like that one short that's like you know that just like rises above some of like the like the more popular ones like yeah a a lot a lot of the ones with Foghorn and um I can't I can't remember the name of um the the Hound but they 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 always they always had like great back and forths yeah
1: and I thought like the experiment of like putting some of these characters in solos uh shorts worked out very well I liked seeing a uh, Taz in uh, a del- devil of a drink um i thought that one was very funny though i think my favorite one is the uh oh what was it the nutty devil with the coconut Mm. and i love the punchline like it reminds me of another short a looney tune short about a a squirrel who tries to crack open a coconut um where he's he tries so many things and then just gives up and he's like ah screw this and he walks over to a vending machine and gets a coconut water (laughs) 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 i thought that was such a perfect punchline but we also get a few other firsts. One, we see the return of the Gremlin. Yes, the, and as he's as great as a foil to Bugs Bunny as you would, as he was way back then in a day.
0: F- falling hair is one of my all time favorite um, Bugs Bunny shorts. Um, I used to, I used to own this one like public domain VHS tape that had um, Falling Hair, uh, the Wacky Wabbit, and uh, the Wabbit Who Came to Dinner so i like those those ones i would watch on repeat a lot so to see to see the gremlin make his make his like triumphant return only to be just as big if not bigger a pain in the ass to bugs that (laughs) that, that made my day
1: oh i I remember when i showed the preview clip and it's just like i love how bugs is just laughing his head off and then as he like leans the magazine down you see that You see the gremlin just sitting there nonchalantly, and Buggy's like, What the heck are you doing? He's like, Well, it's obvious what I'm doing because I'm a gremlin. (laughs) And I love that they almost have the same ending as uh, the old one, and then they just actually let the car crash. (laughs) Like when it's like, You know what they say? Limited these electric cars, limited in range. And then the gremlin's like, Oh, I'll help with that. And then boom. And we see our first encounter with Bugs dealing with Marv Marvin the Martian.
0: I'm surprised it's
1: taken this long. I am too. I was thinking they would bring him in with the second batch. Because it, they always like putting them with the uh, the flag gags. And I always like those. Uh, I like the, the the bowling ball one. So it like, where he just gets fed up with trying to post a flag. And it's just like, these flagpoles aren't cheap, you know? Whoa! <laughs> he falls in. <laughs> into a hole that turned out to be like a giant bowling ball and we see petunia pig get her own short her first time in like 50 years
0: <laughs> and what's interesting is that it's a solo short which did not see coming no it was very interesting that they brought
1: her back because that that was during a time where it's just like oh you got to have a female counterpart to a character to these male characters you know you got to have your mini and what have you and there wasn't much to her but a, they were able to give her her own personality with this one. They didn't just make a gender bent, uh, porky pig. Um,
0: and I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, what did you think? Um, yeah, I, I, I was, um, very surpri- like pleasantly surprised by Petunia. Short. I I also like how, um, it, it kind of, it kind of like subverts ex- your expectations. You thought like, Like, you'd think, you'd think, like, she'd get healed after, like, every, you know, every time she gets hurt, but, like, she, like, she she stays, like, kind of, like, damaged throughout, throughout the whole show, like, the whole short, and it just keeps getting funnier, like, every, like, after every, uh, mishap.
1: Well, I will make a quick fix, like, fix up. She has appeared in other, like, Looney Tunes stuff, but it was just, like, but,
0: you know, they still didn't do much with her, um, yeah, so like, she, it a, like she like she was mostly um, just she mostly just resorted to being the girlfriend.
1: Yeah, so I liked seeing her in this one. I love the whole joke of like she almost falls on a uh, on a rake, and she's like, "Hey, it could have been worse." And then it gets launched back <laughs> up, shocked, falls back down, lands on the rake. <laughs> anyway, and it, it's a very delightful short, and I also like that they gave. Uh, Yosemite Sam his own shorts I liked seeing what they were going to do with him I wasn't expecting that also for him to be the to, to give him a solo thing but I will say I think my favorite short is still the S- Sam Sheepdog Ralph Wolf shorts that they've done so far for these two uh, for this uh, series I, I just love the the canter the premise and how they it's a nine-to-five job of standing around protecting sheep and then stealing sheep
0: (laughs) yeah that's that's always my favorite aspect about the um and ralph shorts is that unlike unlike wiley coyote and roadrunner this is this is literally their job
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and i i love the the different outfits and i love
1: like the one where he puts on like the grass outfits and ralph put no not ralph sam puts a golf tee in his head, first of all, ow. Um, and then he just keeps failing to hit him and then it it gets enough to Ralph Wolf. He's like, hold on, you idiot. And he's like, swing with your back arm or whatever the term is, and then he gets whacked. And then you find out that the ball still didn't get hit. (laughs) And I like I said, I I like the shorts that have like the lesser known characters. I'm not gonna say I'm getting kind of tired of the major focus being on like Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, and Bugs Bunny. But I'm starting to, like, I want to see a little more
0: variety. Little variety.
1: And it's not like it's they're not funny. All all, the, all of these are still pretty funny. I, I still love, Uh, I forgot which one it is, Uh, the one where Elmer Fudd is about to pay off a parking ticket, and then Daffy <laughs> Duck comes in at his lawyer, and it's like, oh, Mallard practice. Yep. And um i thought that one was a delight was very funny where he, he tries to say like he was walking over here at this time where he got this supposed ticket and here he is robbing a bank and it's like like you stupid duck what are you doing
0: <laughs> yeah i i the the punchline of that is 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 one of the funniest things of it on the one hand it, it's a little bit predictable because we know that you know elmer elmer's a bad guy so he's getting he's one way or another he's getting his comeuppance but i i think it's just the like the build up to the payoff that make that that just gives it that extra layer
1: yeah yeah and um i mean like, like i said i li- i still like these shorts i just think there need, there needs to be a little more variety uh going forward and like i said i i like the like i like finally seeing marvin the martian uh come back into light into light Like, and I don't know if they're ever going to do, like, a Duck Dodgers parody episode, because I feel like they're not going to, since I feel like the Duck Dodgers era of uh, Daffy Duck is Chuck Jones, basically. Yeah, and And, this
0: this this seems more, like, Frizz feeling Bob Clampett.
1: Yeah, so, but I, I just want to see a little more, like, I don't know, maybe have Bugs and Daffy interact, or Bugs and Porky or something, and and such because like i will say i think my least favorites were the Wiley coyote ones even though they were still all really funny um like i i love the one where um i forgot what it i forgot what it's called um oh dang it um
0: is it like is it the one where like he tries he tries to like to freeze time to catch to catch yes. uh, the as roadrunner yeah that's the one
1: and yeah, that, that's
0: that's my favorite of of the two
1: yeah and they also introduced another kind of like in-between gag with Daffy psychic um I don't remember that one as well I think it's very funny. I love the punchline it's like you're gonna explode in fame and then it turns out that the crystal ball was a bomb painted <laughs> <laughs> like I, I think it was cute but I don't the fact that I had to kind of think about it on the spot
0: about what the punchline was kind of says something some of the, some of these um I, I do kind of have to go back and and rewatch the like the ones that really stand out are the ones that try try to do do something a little bit different, whether it's bring bring back characters we haven't seen in a while, or just you know just mixing up the formula.
1: Yeah, yeah. But um, still I love watching these shorts. I'm still going to watch the every other new batch that they put out.
0: I I th- I think um when 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 this was first announced, they said they had like a thousand minutes ready to go. So that i think that i think that means we still have like at least 70 more shorts that have been completed well see i i
1: mean i can't wait i um like i'm fine with whatever like, like i said i want to see a little more variety among the characters but definitely like do bring on more characters do more variations of who's working off of who
0: all right um yeah o- ov- overall my thoughts are Go watch, go watch these Looney Tunes cartoons because they're great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving, moving on now to the, can you believe this? It's the 41st film that, that DC has done uh, direct a video This is uh, Justice Society World War II, directed by Jeff Wammister and written by Megan Fitzmartin and Jeremy Adams. Um, this is an original story involving the Justice Society of America a group of heroes aiding the Allies in World War II, um, who make an ally from the future who who sends them on a history-changing adventure. Um, but by the way, there will be spoilers for this. Um, so like like the the trail the trailers seem um seem to imply that Barry Allen, the Flash, travels back in time to World War II um to join the Justice Society, but there's there's reveal that happens I guess like halfway through, um, that kind that kind of um, it 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 basically reveals that this this buried didn't travel to the past he traveled to another Earth yeah he
1: travel uh, travels to a World War Two centric Earth and meets the Justice Society which are. Which is founded with Wonder Woman, uh, voiced by Stana Kat- Katic. Steve Trevor, voiced by Mickey Mouse himself, Chris Uh Jay Garrick, Flash, voiced by Armin Taylor. Hourman, voiced by Matthew Mercer. Black Canary, or the Dina Lance version of Black Canary, voiced by Alicia Rotaru. Uh, Hawk, or Carter Hall, Hawkman, voiced by Omid Abtahi, and You know, I've been meaning to bring this up because I remember when we talked about this in one of our more popular episodes where we, you know, run down what movies are coming out this year. The reference point, I didn't mean to ask if this, if the Justice Society was like the Justice Lords. I meant that Justice League two-parter where the Flash and Green Lantern get kind of warped to a different dimension and they meet like a pseudo copyright free version of the Justice Society.
0: Um, you're, you were talking about the Justice Guild, yeah, the Justice Guild, which has
1: pretty much every other character, like the same batch of characters almost. But they're just, but for some reason, they couldn't have the rights to these versions of the characters, <laughs> which is interesting because I know I've seen that version of the Green Lantern before. Like that's a that's a, that's like an older version of the Green Lantern, um, or a different take on the Green Lantern, and like. Of course, the old fashioned Flash. It, it, for some reason, in that version, it's wearing a football helmet. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Justice Guild was what I was thinking of, like the, that the Justice Society was like a play on and such, or you know, vice versa. Right, right. Um. So overall, before we get into it, I liked this movie, but I can't, I can't help to
0: think that they inadvertently advertised a different movie to us. Yeah, even even the synopsis I read was like. Wait a minute! Something's not right.
1: Because then, when you get into it, it's like, oh, so instead of just a Justice Society film, it's a Elseworld Flash story where the Flash, it like at the be like the whole thing gets ignited when the Flash helps Superman, and this is apparently the same Superman from uh, what was it, Man of Tomorrow? Yep. Um, because it's Darren Chris uh voicing him and. I just think that's interesting that it's like, okay, so are they going for a connected universe again, even though I feel like that was, they never said that was the plan. I, I, It's just interesting because I'm kind of wondering if like my enjoyment of this film was kind of hampered by the fact that it was not the film that we were told it was, or if, it, if it's just like I didn't read between the lines and what this was actually going to be.
0: You know, in hindsight, I think, I think it makes more. I think it makes more sense that it was a um, sort of Elseworlds film. I mean, I I think I think I think, um, I think what D, what DC is doing is they are they are building a new cinematic universe. They're just kind of being low key about it, kind of, kind of, kind of like what the like what the comics do. Like we we understand that everything takes place in the same world, but. It's not like every book has to like has to make like explicit references every time. But what I'm getting at is I should have known what the quote unquote twist was in this movie, because, you know, they're like there's a there's a famous silver age comic called Flash of Two Worlds, where Barry Allen and Jay Garrick meet each other for the first time and and team up. So they're kind they're kind of referencing that comic plus you know the classic justice society of america um comics from the 50s
1: yeah and i mean i love seeing these older dc superheroes like when are you ever going to see our man that's not in a justice society setting because i mean let's kind of face it our man is kind of a weak superhero (laughs) i mean I, i mean i don't know i always kind of like kind of laugh at the fact that his powers only work for one hour and it's like why do they have to be an hour is this is it's just like ultraman logic where you can't where ultraman can't stay giant for no longer than five minutes <laughs> I,
0: mean, I mean yeah I, it, it, it is it is a pretty silly gimmick but they they've they've surprisingly made it work twice now um between this and um a younger version on on the cw show stargirl which is kind of like a more modern update of uh the Justice Society. Um between between this movie, Stargirl and the upcoming Black Adam, if you're if you're a fan of like the Justice Society of America, then you should be pretty happy that this team is getting a lot more exposure.
1: Yeah, no. Um I mean, like in general, but outside of my gripes and criticisms, I did like this team. I thought, well, I, I always liked Jay Garrick and Barry Allen as characters and I, and I love the whole like like Jay has to stop Barry from saying certain things before 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 he causes a time paradox. So it's just like this one movie time paradox, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought the character dynamics were pretty interesting. I think Black Canary and Wonder Woman don't get the best arcs, but I did like Black Canary and Hawkman's dynamic. I liked Hourman uh, with Jay Garrick. We'll talk about Steve Trevor in a little bit, but I also liked the twist of uh, of seeing Doctor Fate, um, who's voiced by Keith Ferguson. Great, um, great casting,
0: by the way. Yeah, and I've I, always I, liked- I, I almost thought for a second that was Tom Kenny, but I kind of, I Keith Ferguson and Tom Kenny have like sort of similar cadences in their voice.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Though, like, if you follow a Young Justice, the show, Doctor Fate's voiced by, or at least the helmet is voiced by kevin michael richardson and i i mean i was kind of amused when it started to be become like the more pulpy elseworld story like instead of fighting like the nazis they fight uh a mind-controlled aquaman and i, I mean I, I like that twist they definitely hid that from from the marketing which was nice uh well it kept me interested and i did like what did you think about the twist of who uh how should we say uh Shakespeare
0: <laughs> it, it, it was it was a twist that I didn't I didn't see coming at first but when you think about it makes a lot makes a lot more sense I mean it like it doesn't help that that it's still it's still the same voice as um as Superman but and also you know Shakespeare being a writer and it seems like on like on that earth he's a he's a reporter so it's like you, you like it's it's just enough of a twist to like to result in like a satisfying enough payoff but it's more like in hindsight that's that's when you start to feel feel a little a little silly for for not catching it right away
1: right right I, I really like the art style i i love that this new art direction that they're going with it
0: looks a little bit more like um how how these characters are depicted in like on like on the actual page
1: yeah, and I like that they use, like, the retro designs. Like, I, li- I liked Wonder Woman's design and Black Canary, and I know it's, like, a different Black Canary. But, I I, I mean, I, I like seeing variations. Like, you know, variety is the spice of life. Um, And I will say some of my criticisms start popping up with, like, well, it's another DC direct-to-video animated film. The animation's going to look janky at times.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the jank. The jank is back.
1: Like, I get it. They they make these and release them like per court like new quarter of the year and i i feel like i would rather them slow down if it meant that it could put more time and resources or you know money into making them the best possible version that they can be because again they they have this problem from time to time where they overload the story with like a lot of like interesting setups and then very little payoff or no payoff, depending on what movie you're watching.
0: But that's just me. I No, I, I, I get that. Like lately I've been I've been really kind of bothered by films that either don't or can't reach their full potential, you know, for, for better or for worse. And that could just be me being spoiled by getting Justice League, the Snyder cut, which was, you know, four hours and two minutes of everything that he wanted. So comparing that to this movie being only 84 minutes and having to cram in all of all of that stuff, it can result in certain subplots being uh, a little undercooked. And I know listen, I
1: get it. You I know One Woman and Steve Trevor are are a thing in the comics and in the movies and such. Can we go one Wonder Woman movie without Steve Trevor ever being brought up or in the plot at all?
0: Like at the, uh, at the very at the very least could they could they at least at least not made their romance as creepy as it as it uh was in this film? Like at first it's like, "Oh, that's kind of cute. He's he's giving her
1: flowers right now." What do you mean this isn't the first time he's tried this? Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish they didn't kill off Hawkman, but I guess it's like the two I, this is the one plot thread I didn't care for. They killed off the two love interests for Black Canary and Wonder Woman. And
0: that's I just, don't know. That, just seem, that just seems really unfair.
1: That's so unfair. I was I was kind of waiting, and maybe that's kind of my fault for thinking our man was gonna
0: get killed at one point. But he gets to survive. <laughs> also also I'll I'll be honest. While I like the dynamic between Black Canary and and Hawkman, I didn't really buy into their romance. I think the way the film ships ships them seemed a bit too obvious. Cause like, get it? They're both they're both superheroes with a um a bird themed uh, alter ego.
1: Yeah, and I didn't care for the advisor who was voiced by Jeffrey Aaron. Not that like he was like performed badly or anything like that. He's just Oh, I'm evil and such.
0: I don't know. Uh, um, no, no, I, I, I get it. But by the way, his like, um, his character, the like, the advisor, is actually based on a more interesting villain called Psycho Pirate. Um, That's who that is. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: come on. I love Psycho Pirate. Yeah, Aww. I know. I,
0: I'm, I'm disappointed in that too. When, when I learned that. Like you give all these retro
1: outfits and then you put him in this boring Atlantean suit and not the awesome Psycho Pirate costume. Man, this is why Batman Brave and Bold is great. They let them stay in the outfits. (laughs) Uh, We'll have to talk about that show sometime. And I mean, like over, like, but even then I still loved like how it ended with Barry Allen getting back and
0: basically tossing the kryptonite bullet and headshotting Brainiac. (laughs) That That was like, that was, that was pretty badass. the way the way that fight went down. Also, I I love, I love how Brainiac is nothing more than the noodle incident in the film. (laughs) I know. He's just kind of like, I'm here.
1: We're going to, we're going to rule the world. I'm gonna start ignite the plot, and that's all. <laughs> and then get shot in the head. <laughs> and uh no, I mean, like, I despite my complaints, I still really enjoyed watching this one. I I just think I don't know. There just could have been more to it. But maybe that's just me. And maybe I'm just maybe I need to stop expecting so many uh things or just something different from these DC direct video films. Yeah. I mean, what
0: you, um. No, I, I I I get that. Um. I've I've been I've been trying to manage my expectations and well 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 I won't go as crazy as giving giving this a five out of five if I graded on a curve because even then I I still have issues with with certain subplots I can comfortably say that I enjoyed this movie same no it's a I've enjoyed their
1: uh push for these film for these films more after the apocalypse war one. Like I think Batman, uh, the Man long
0: of Halloween. tomorrow.
1: Well, that one looks great. I just re- I just watched the trailer on mutes and while you were talking. And it looks like they're kind of going the same way here with a younger Batman since I well that makes sense. Since, since isn't the long Halloween, like the sequel story to year one or something like that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's pretty much his, uh, his year two. Yeah, yeah. So I'm
1: I'm excited to see that, and I also, well, in some ways, I'm a little bummed that this isn't going to take place during the cool '70s year uh, "Soul of the Dragon" Batman. Uh, but but I, I I hope we get a sequel to that one because that that movie is just awesome. Don't sequel bait us if you're not going to make a sequel, DC. But yeah, no. Overall, I still very much enjoyed uh, Justice Society World War II. I still kind of think uh, we were sold a different movie at first, but I'm gonna. I'll get over that. I'll be fine. Um, I don't consider it a major criticism. It's just, huh. So it's not really a Justice Society film, but I. But that does make me wonder. I wonder how they are going to introduce uh, Wonder Woman into this new universe. So I can't Ooh, wait to see.
0: That's that's a good question, actually. I w- I would love to see. Um like whatever they come up with for for Wonder Woman's solo film if if she gets one
1: yeah yeah well I hope she does I don't want the mixed response to Wonder Woman 84 to like tell DC and Warner Brothers like and eh, maybe nobody wants Wonder Woman no don't
0: anymore. don't 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 worry don't worry about that um Wonder Woman 3 is already on the way but yeah as far, but- as, as far as the as far as the animated world goes I would love to see what what they come up with
1: I mean, you know how these companies are—they twitch react to like when something doesn't get like it's not a hundred bazillion dollars day one, and the reviews aren't one hundred percent positive; they're ninety nine percent positive. <laughs> but I mean, that's a whole other issue I can go into in the, another time. But yeah, no, I recommend it. I I think Soul of the Dragon still the better film of the t- two that we've had so far, but they're they're going in a good direction.
0: Oh yeah. So our final film is actually the first entry in what we like to call the Ghibli journey. And just as a reminder to the audience, these these movies are chosen completely at random. We 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 decide by the wheel. <laughs> and this this movie is My Neighbors the, the Yamadas, a sort of uh, you know anthology film, um, written and directed by is- Isao Takahata. And yes, the same director who who would later go on to do um The Tales of Princess uh, Kaguya, Kaguya. Thank and you. And he's also the same director who did Only Yesterday,
1: Grave of the Fireflies and Pom Yeah. Um he's like the second director that Studio Ghibli focused on and I have some thoughts about this after rewatching this film because I there's there's always been kind of like this interesting history of how Isao Takahata approached Making an animated feature compared to Gib to Miyazaki, which at first it's like, yeah, well, I can see why Miyazaki get, became popular, but there's a long term thing I was thinking about for about how Takahata approached his films. So it's like, hmm, but let's uh talk a bit about this. So this is their like, let's see how how do we approach this? It's the it's a series of vignettes following the Yamada family where you have. Takashi and Matsuko, the father and mother, um, Shige, Matsuko's mother, Noboru, the son, and Nonoko, the five-year-old daughter, and their dog Pochi, who doesn't do a whole lot in the movie, but still, <laughs> um, it's a it's definitely a distinct story because it doesn't really have a flowing narrative. It's all just like little sections of like their plot, like they're going about their lives. And, and, honestly, and honestly,
0: that's that that's honestly what I really loved about about this movie. Um pro- probably my one my one complaint is I just want more. I I would have loved if if this was like um more more of more of a long-running series, kind of like kind kinda like Japan's answer to, you know, like the peanuts specials.
1: Oh, I could totally see see them doing this if they ever thought about going in that direction. Because I mean, it sets itself up for one because, like I said, there's no real overall narrative. They're not like they're not like the Mitchells. Let's just say that um, they don't need to save the day or anything. It's it's literally them going about their life in very slice of life uh, story beats, and it's like, oh, the mom tricks the grandmother to try to make sushi, and then instead, the grandma the grandma is going to make beef stroganoff and then gets bored by it. <laughs> and it's like,
0: "Hey, eh, I I didn't make it. Go order that sushi." <laughs> my, my favorite thing is like how how she can't she can't even pronounce stroganoff. She's like enough Stroga Stroganomanov. And
1: it's just like I I like the punchline to these story beats where it's like you're not thinking and then they set it up and then they pay it off and I just love, and I love, like, when they think uh, NonoCo is, like, lost at the mall. And then, like, once they said, like, a woman took her away, which you find out is a uh, family friend. Um, <laughs> They're like, we're going to go get NonoCo, And the son's like, oh, well, do you know who we need to go after? And they're like, no, we have no idea. <laughs> they're like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> and I think what. Uh, the the approach to this film, like what makes it interesting, is it's grounded, but it it's all told in this very cool ink like like watercolor art style, which I think was a very new thing from for uh um for Studio Ghibli because they were very much like oh like it's got to be hand drawn, hand colored, use as little CGI as possible. Yeah, and like they, this,
0: um, I I. I, I I took a little, a little look at, um, at the, the original manga that this is based on. Um, and per, pretty, much what they did is like, um, they basically copied that, like that art style, but, um, but, but, you know, obviously, um, Takahata made, made it his own.
1: Yeah. And this is, I think their first, yeah, apparently this was their first completely digital studio Ghibli film. And that was the, this is what I was kind of referencing takahata was more about experimenting with the stories they told and like he, of course he had Grave of to fireflies which is going to be a, a real emotional train wreck for us because that's what it is for everyone who watches that movie mm-hmm. and then like but then he was like how about we do something like like miyazaki was like let's do some grounded fantasy takahata was just like How about we just do grounded realism with maybe a tinge of fantasy, but not, but it's never the focus. Like only yesterday is about a woman in her thirties kind of going to the countryside and remembering her past. No like magic, no like, oh, I'm going to be in this magical world or something. It's just, I'm going to go through and see if my life was worth it or like what I, what, what I've done from then to now and such
0: like i'd hear i I, I think i think the most like the most you know like the most the most abstract this this movie gets is um there's like this one this one shot of like um um like a younger takashi and matsuko um you know bet like back when they were when they were getting married and it shows them kind of like driving along uh along the their wedding cake oh i love that opening sequence well it's not the opening sequence but it's like
1: the sequence that um, like basically like ignites the film
0: yeah like i i think that's that's about that's about as abstract as as the film gets um and it's it's a it's a fantastic sequence but um i i, I just i just love the like the minimalist approach to to this and yet you know dis, despite despite the like the limited appearance, like the like the limited designs it's still it's still very very well well animated like in like the action and uh like the chase sequences and like eat like even just like the comedic timing
1: yeah no uh, it's a very funny movie uh, movie i love like some of the vignettes like when the mom thinks she left all the laundry in the rain like when it starts raining outside and she's like oh i took it in earlier and then the grandma's like you didn't even
0: take it out at all (laughs) or or one of my favorites the um like don't eat too much ginger or you'll forget and then like the rest of the short is just everybody forgets you know everything like, like takashi for, forgets his uh his um briefcase or no no brew forgot forgot to uh to take off his pajamas right right and um
1: i i do i love the one at the very end where uh they're all fighting and then <laughs> like the, well the grandmother and the father are fighting and then they insult the mom and then the son's like i can see why we get along so well because the adults are criminally insane and then they all get in a fight and then the daughter's crying and then the mom's like you see Nono nonoko doesn't like it when we fight it's just like i can't hear the tv <laughs> that's why that's why she's crying or like uh when uh at the very beginning when the grandmother is walking the dog and she's just like what kind of species are these thinking like because she's talking to a neighbor and that they think like the neighbor thinks he she's asking about the flowers and she's like well no what about this one and then there's a little caterpillar on it and he's like i don't know it's a bug it's like huh well don't worry little caterpillar you'll grow into something beauty beautiful and then you'll fly away from these gaudy looking flowers (laughs) and it helps that they got a pretty grounded cast of actors for this role i mean for the uh for the english cast you have James Belushi as Takashi you have Molly Shannon as Matsuko Daryl Sabara who you know you would know him from the Spy Kids films yep. um as Noboru Liliana uh Mummy or Mumi as Nonoko and then Tress McNeil as Shige the grandmother and then you got the narrator who is played by the late David Og- Ogden Steers
0: um who a lot of you will know as either um cogsworth from beauty and the beast or um general radcliffe from pocahontas
1: that or um he's, he's also the one of the two lead aliens in lilo and stitch yep um, and then of course there's a, it, if you're paying attention you can hear other other characters like you, there's a young jeremy shada and then there's billy west who appears for a line or two jeff bennett appears uh Corey burton does as well and and like i said it, they all do well and i like uh, Mel- melissa disney when she's uh she plays the girl with the umbrella when she was just like here Noboru, you can take my umbrella because then she tried to go to a boy that she liked <laughs> and, and <laughs> the guy's just like it's like what happened to your umbrella oh i lost it well that sucks to be you don't get a cold and then she tries to get the umbrella back from Noboru, and Noboru it's like, "No, I'm borrowing it now." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can understand why some people didn't take to this film at first because it it does meander. It's just a bunch of skits.
0: I, I, and like, I think I think what helped me um, and why I enjoyed it so much is because I knew going in that it was going to be it was going to be different. You know, it was not it was not going to necessarily be linear, but because because it's it's just because this is like exactly my my sense of humor it just it just clicked for me right away
1: yeah no it's like you got to go into this knowing that it's kind of a low-key story and apparently apparently having a low-key story means that you're second tier uh ghibli
0: and it's like that's 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 really unfair i mean i get it like this is the same studio that did um like like princess mononoke yeah spiritual uh, away the wind rises like
1: these big grand films but they also do like i don't know it's the same thing that happens for like when pixar does like a like some some kind of like lower key lower stake story and it's just like why is it second tier because it's not an epic story don't you want this kind of thing in animation like i I don't know (laughs) it's just a case of me being again saying like animation fans don't know what they want
0: (laughs) yeah they only they only know what they don't want
1: yeah and that's what I like about Ghibli. They're able to do big, grand epics, and then they're also able to do these smaller film-like films and stories. So I don't see the problem with that. Um, but like I said, I understand if some people find like, well, there's not much of a story. There is, though. There is technically a story. You just have to focus on the beginning and the end because then it all connects. Like all these disconnected vignettes... Will all connect like from between the beginning and the end because at the beginning during the the wedding ceremony when Takashi and Matsuko are getting married there a woman is talking about to saying like hey a marriage is a challenge and y'all will need to do as much as you can to make sure that everything goes smoothly and such and like a bunch of very you know marriage philosophy kind of stuff. And then what really hooked me into the film again, like, because I was getting to a point where it's like, eh, I don't know if I like this one again. Like, I reviewed it a while back, and I said I really liked it. Then I watched it. Then I kind of haven't watched it since until for this podcast. And then the ending happens, and Takashi says his speech, and I think it's just a great moral.
0: Oh, it's, um, it's the speech that leads that leads into a great um, musical number that's, that's taken right from... Um uh what's the film uh the man who knew too much the song song is called um case yeah whatever will be will be and his
1: like the speech it says him saying like hey like just take life as it comes don't worry about the future don't like just take it as it is and like don't worry about it too much and just no matter what happens a strong family bond will get you through any challenge and I just think that's such a strong message. And I, it's like, you kind of get, then get like, oh, I get why uh, Takahata wanted to do this kind of film. And that was kind of the reason why I'm starting to really like Takahata. Not to say he didn't have his own terrible work, working ethics that like Miyazaki had. Like if you watch like the only yesterday making of, he was like very strict about like how he wanted things to go. So it's like, but he was also the one director between the two who wanted to experiment. And I feel like, and unfortunately, like that kind of led to Miyazaki having the more popular films. So, but
0: I, I, I do, I do like though that, well, we, we've talked about this before, how it kind of sucks how Studio Ghibli isn't as um, future future insured as, as most other um, stu- animation studios like if if um takahata and miyazaki were were to both retire like they had like they haven't been training new talent to succeed them
1: yeah and it it sucks because then takahata passed away and then that kind of left everything to miyazaki and miyazaki was just like i don't want to do this for the rest of my life but then he also of course retires unretires retires retires again and then unretires again Again, because he wants to keep creating and he's he's only got one more movie now and then that's it and unless Goro finally gets help to make movies or they get some freaking outside talent there are so many anime directors Ghibli to pull from pull some of them and make it to make stuff for you like you can still make movies you don't need just Miyazaki (laughs) anyway sorry uh but like I said that's what I always liked about Takahata he was always willing to experiment and I wish Ghibli went into that direction of his experimentation instead of being like so tied tied to Miyazaki being like we cannot we're doing everything traditional and that's it no no ifs ands or buts
0: yeah I it's it's just it's just a shame that that Takahata is no longer with us because you know this this being my first Takahata film um it it it, it left a re- like a really um a really strong first first impression um i will i will always champion films that um you know that uh that bend that bend the rules um you know play around with expectations um or or just like you know deliver like like deliver the sort of vibe that this movie has this 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 movie is is just a vibe
1: yeah now and anime do, and a lot of japanese directors and studios do this with stuff like well we'll have to see if we can make like a uh, g kids wheel because you need to see films like okko's in and such it has kind of the same uh vibe and and what have you so it's like it's just a shame that people didn't respond well to my neighbors the amadas because i feel like if that one did better apparently it didn't perform as well it like it came it underperformed at the box office
0: ah that's a shame
1: yeah um we ghibli would be in a better state than they are because i get it everyone's so hellbent on ghibli being like they should only do 2d it has to be on pen and paper and that's it and it's like but they've done more than pen and paper already. I know their CGI stuff with, like, Earwig and the Witch didn't work, but I blame the story more than the CGI not working. Though the CGI is part of the problem, but not the full, not the only problem. Right. But, yeah, no, I really like My Neighbors, Yamadas. I think it's a real gem of a movie. And I think I think it's it could easily become one of my favorites if you just catch me on, the, on at a certain time of day. So yeah, I I highly recommend it. You can either buy it on Blu-ray from G Kids or you can catch it on HBO Max.
0: Yep. Um, Now, before we move on to my other recommendations, um, Cameron, why don't you go ahead and spin that wheel? Ghibli wheel, turn, turn,
1: turn. What movie shall we watch next? Oh, yeah. You're going to watch your first Miyazaki film. Ooh, what do you got? You're going to watch his third film. You're going to... Like this was like partially when like Ghibli was starting to form or kind of not fully there yet. We're gonna watch Castle in the Sky. Awesome! And oh, this is one of my favorites. It like if you had to like tell me like three favorite Ghibli films: Castle in the Sky, Spirited Away, Porco Rosso.
0: So I'm I'm ve- I'm very lucky that uh, that we land into on this one because it's it's been on my list for a, for a while. And I've been I've been very curious to check it to check it out. So I'm glad I'm glad now is the opportunity.
1: Yeah, let's see here. Uh, we could have fallen on Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, no, I'm not I'm
0: not ready I'm not ready for that yet.
1: <laughs> I, lo- I love
0: you, Takahata, but I'm not ready for that yet.
1: You're not ready for the emotional train wreck of it all. But yeah, I think this will be a fun one to watch we're not gonna do it for this anime se- like for the next two episodes
0: so we'll- yeah this will we're gonna push this one off until after our the big parter
1: uh spring anime, anime breakdown
0: yeah um but before we go um for my recommendations i've got i've got a couple um one since we are recording this on mother's day i have i have no choice but to recommend the secret of nim which uh i've talked about before a million a million times but Um, Mrs. Brisby is one of, if not the greatest strong female protagonists, because what she, what she lacks in, in like, you know, physical strength, um, she makes up for, like, in, in her heart, in her, you know, in her bravery, um, going, going through, going, going through this, like, grand adventure, just to save, just to save her son, who's, um, who's fallen ill, um, and and yet, like even even though she's even though she's scared, even though like she has no idea what lies ahead of her, she still she still um, takes that leap of faith. And uh, it's it's one of my favorite Don Bluth films. I think I think it it's quite literally his best, his like his masterpiece. I don't know if this is streaming anywhere, but you can probably rent it for like three bucks on YouTube. Um, but yeah, definitely check this one out. And the other, my other recommendation is, um, the YouTube channel, Dave Lee, Dave Lee down under, you know, he does his month, his monthly series cartoon evolution and, um, his neck, his next installment is, um, for Tasmanian devil. So earlier this afternoon, I was watching some of the old, like the classic Tasmania shorts that are all on HBO max. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you want, if you want to prepare for Dave Lee's next, next video definitely check out those classic shorts cuz you know Te- Tasmanian Devil is um he didn't he didn't appear in a lot of the Looney Tunes shorts but the ones he did appear in are pre- are pretty hilarious they they have some of the best uh like some of the best physical gags between between Bugs and, and 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 any of his uh his foils i i think my favorite
1: one was when Daffy Duck had to deal with him and i forgot how exactly that one went but um i remember the ending just showing how pathetic daffy is oh yep and like he was willing to go back into the cage where the tasmanian devil was after putting him in there because a dollar slipped under it and he's like i might be a coward but But i'm I'm a greedy greedy coward coward." (laughs) (laughs) yeah no uh that's a good channel and that that'll be a fun video to watch um so since it is Mother's Day as we are recording this, I'm going to give the obvious, and people should watch *Wolf Children* by Mamoru Hosoda. The story mm, of a single yeah, the story of a single mom taking care of these two kids who turn out to be part wolf because she married a werewolf-like character. Don't ask. Um, <laughs> and it's just a great movie. The mom's a fantastic lead character. It's one of my favorite movies of all time and it was my favorite film of 2013 and that and that's saying something because it beat out miyazaki for me so like take that as you will and this is already a year where we had like Ernest and celestine a letter to momo and so on and for the one last tease that um, you will have to put up with um before we get to the anime season episodes I'm going to talk about one that I was completely surprised by because the genre of anime from this season, from, from this is from has sucked. And we'll talk about that when we, uh, in the first episode, but I want to talk and recommend Bakuden backflip. And it's a rhythmic gymnastics anime. And if you were disappointed by, or maybe disappointed by skate leading stars or the other major sports anime of this season, Backflip is the one to re- that really nails it. It's beautifully animated. The characters are so expressive. The combination of two D when they're for everything else and then CGI is handled perfectly. And it's just a great and fun story. I love the characters. I like the comedy. I have to say, the character with the green
0: hair is my is my favorite because of how expressive he is. Oh yeah, he. I I, I remember him being like. Um... Like, he, he, he was a lot of fun, that that character.
1: Yeah, so I can it's like, oh my gosh, what, what the heck is this amazing sports anime this season doing under a mile of garbage? <laughs> and I, I feel like nobody's really talking about it or maybe it's just I haven't caught up to it yet because I, I'm still catching up on watching all this stuff for the first episode this week. But, you know, life comes first and taxes. <laughs> yeah. So those are the two those are my two recommendations.
0: Yeah, we got we got some good stuff uh lined up for the next couple of weeks. Um I am very much looking forward to talking about genres other than the sports because yeah that was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um but more but more on that later. For now, um Cameron, where can everyone find you online?
1: Uh you can find me on Twitter at cams eye view i have run my own website called cams view.biz where i talk about animated films and in the section called the other side of animation i have my own patreon on patreon.com slash cams eye view you can find me there and that's where you can find me i'm also in the renegade pop culture facebook group i'll post there from time to
0: time awesome and you guys can find me on twitter at captain k42 check out all my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash coach k42 you can find me in all the various Facebook groups, just at my name. You can follow Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. You can listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And everything can be found at RenegadePopCulture.com. need to escape? So do we. That'll do it for this installment of Renegade Animation. We will catch you guys later. Peace out. Bye.